A lot of anger and depression revolving around the Sabres this morning. They fall to the Dallas Stars. We'll recap it. The state of the atmosphere in the building from my vantage point and a bit of a Twitter uh, back and forth that I got into that I want to touch on. All coming up here on the Locked On Sabres podcast. Your Locked On Sabres, your daily podcast on the Buffalo Sabres. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And thanks for making Locked On Sabres your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your best bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Stars 2, Sabres 1 at KeyBank Center on Tuesday night. Goes the way of the road team. Another Tuesday night loss for the Sabres. I talked about it going into the game. They've now lost 9 of their last 10 Tuesday home games. It's kind of a little bit random. They happen to be the games that I end up usually going to more often than not. And they've lost nine of their last 10. The only win being early in the season against the Tampa Bay Lightning. This was a game where you could go back and forth on whether the Sabres deserve to win, you know, whether you're supposed to feel good after a game like that. I don't think anybody's feeling particularly good about the state of the team this morning. Um, Lots to get to on the show. Uh, we'll have our Sabres Droughtology today. We'll have a little bit on some stuff I dug up, some stats on Kevin Adams' tenure as Sabres GM and how few of the of the goal production we've seen over now four years has been from guys that he's acquired. So that's coming up as well. And the Twitter beef, not even beef, I don't want to call it beef, the back and forth, the exchange that I got into a little bit, some other Sabre fans got into a little bit, was thinking about the Detroit Red Wings, a team I've been very critical of that's in a playoff spot, are definitely getting lucky as to their season and why they're in a spot. But I I dream of that right now for the Sabres is just give me a year where they have this stupid unsustainable shooting percentage or safe percentage this thing that I can't really bank on long term but it's got them having a real season that's all I want at this point and I think the Sabres have beat that into us so I wanted to get into that and expand on that a little bit in the third segment of today's show if you want to get involved if you got uh grievances to 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 voice uh go to join subtext.com slash lockdown sabers sign up for our sortie group chat there our text line here at lockdown sabers and we do a lot of back and forth over the last uh you know few months here and we're having as much fun with it as we uh as we possibly can it's ther- therapeutic maybe even in a way so the sabers outshot dallas in this game by a lot 48 to 30 where the shots on goal And a lot of that got inflated for Dallas late because the Sabres took four penalties in the final 13 minutes, final 15 minutes of game action with Jordan Greenway getting a penalty at 7.07 mark. Lukanen got a tripping penalty at the 7.49 mark. Yoki Haru at 15.28. Connor Clifton at 17.11. Four penalties in the final 13 minutes. It is the final 13 minutes of the game. We're talking about 
eight minutes of penalties. The Sabres were trying to come back in a game. Dallas threw some shots up on the board there. It had been a lot further apart earlier in the game. I looked up at one point and couldn't believe it. It didn't feel like the Sabres were having this well of a night, but about halfway through the first period, I just looked up at the scoreboard and saw, wait a minute, Sabres are out shooting them 14-2? to 14-2, to and they were down one nothing at that point. Again, didn't feel like to me that they were outplaying them that much. They had the puck all night long, and they got 48 shots. But a lot of the shots came from the wall, came from the point, the dirty type of shot attempts, not a lot of quality. If you look at the heat map that looks through the, you know, how how many shots are from the front of the net, how many are from spread around. And if you look at the Sabres for this, then you're going to see. I'm going to put it up on our YouTube channel now. You can watch along with us uh, on YouTube. Uh, just search Locked on Sabres when you get there and you'll find us. Um, the Sabres, they have this green space that's spread around the entire offensive zone. They, it was very spread around. And the the place where they got the most shots was actually from outside the right faceoff circle, far, far away. Dallas, meanwhile, everything is right in front of the net quality, high danger scoring chances in this game. And it is why at the end of the game, the stars had more high danger scoring chances than the Sabres did at five on five, at least Uh, at five on five in this game, the Sabres had nine high danger chances. Dallas had 10 scoring chances in general, though the Sabres again, like 28 to 19, less quality, higher volume. Dallas wins the hockey game. The Sabres' best chances, Dahlin had a couple where he was driving him crazy, right? He almost sma- or broke his uh, stick over his helmet in the middle of a play. He spiked the puck at the net after missing one. Dylan Cousins had a shorthanded opportunity late that beat Jake Ottinger, but nicked his pad on the way through and just went wide. I mean, they could have very easily won the hockey game, but they've dug themselves a hole. You're not allowed to feel good about that performance. You're not allowed to feel good about that effort. Because had they been in a playoff spot or had they been in a playoff race, they could have a game like that and go, all right, well, okay, you lost. You don't love that, but that's all right. They played well. They're going to get right back at it. Um, They're going to be fine. They're going to be completely fine. This is a different situation because they have no margin of error. They have no margin of error whatsoever to have a game like that. So not feeling great. Uh, I would say, on this uh, Wednesday uh, after that game. I thought Dylan Cousins was unbelievable in this game. I would make him my sneaky star of the game. Uh, I thought he was all over the ice. He was the guy that was really pushing at the end when the Sabres were shorthanded to get some chances to go one-on-three if he had to to be able to do it. Cousins had a phenomenal game. I thought Darlene was great all night. Could have had one or two goals easily. Uh, Just failed to capitalize. and the state of the Sabres is not feeling great. Lukanen, I guess, uh, Lukanen was very good as well. Jake Ottinger was great. He was the game's number one star, probably deserved. 47 saves, a 979 save percentage. And then we got Tage Thompson back on the board with a power play goal. One-timer. It was quick puck movement. It was a great shot. They got him open just with just enough time to be able to get that shot off and get it through. But Dallas gets the win on the night with goals by Matt Duchesne. 
still on that team, and Sam Steele, uh, who scored kind of a dirty goal halfway through the third period. It was historic in that it's the most shots on goal the Sabres have ever had in their franchise history scoring only one goal. It's never happened where they've scored or had more shots, only scoring one goal. Um, the arena, meanwhile, I got some thoughts on attending the game, where we're at as a team, and then I want to compare them to the Red Wings a little bit because of this Twitter thing I got into. Um, not great vibes this morning here on the Lockdown Sabres podcast. We are presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. That's how you can get back in the winning picture. Things aren't going great for the Sabres, but, you know, you can get your wins on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday, all about scoring the best seat on the couch, kicking the feet up, get the great right position for snacks, the dips, grabbing uh, some super bets as well. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with the W. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for who will score a touchdown in the game, how many points will be scored, over-unders for yardage, and other things. New customers, join today. You're going to get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the National Football League. Back here on the Lockdown Savers podcast. Thanks for making us your first listen. Your second listen should be Locked On Sports today. Launching the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. And now you can also find Locked On Sports today on Fire TV. Here for your 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Find the Locked On Sports Today channel on Amazon Fire TV. Back here on the Lockdown Savers podcast, Sneaky Joe DiBiase. Uh, again, if you want to sign up for our group chat, go to joinsubtext.com slash Sabers. Two to one, Dallas over Buffalo. They remain 10 points out of a playoff spot. Was at the game, went with some couple of friends, went with my brother, and we're redoing our upstairs in the house. So they came over, they were helping me out. So I'm like, all right, you know, it'd be good gesture. I get, the, I get some free tickets from work once in a while. Let's go to the game on Tuesday. We got four tickets. Let's, let's go see. They're back in action against the Stars. We've all taken a breath. We've had two a two-week break from this team. That might get back some positive energy. Let's go to the game. So we're at the game. We're all having a good time. Went out for a drink right before. And then the game starts. Black and red. Cool. And you look around and just it's sad, right? Like there's so many empty seats. I'm sitting in the 100 level. And the six rows in front of me. There's just, I can count on one hand how many people there are directly in front of me. I mean, I guess it, you could space out a little bit, which might not be terrible, but like, you know, you miss the atmosphere. And then the game starts, and what you normally get happens. Dallas, the opponent, scores pretty early on. Within four minutes, Matt Duchesne makes the game one nothing, And the game goes on and goes on, and they're getting their shots, and they're getting their couple of chances here and there, the Sabres are. And it's, you know, it's into the third period now. The game, by the way, went really long. Did anybody else notice that? I don't know if the intermissions were long or there was just a lot of whistles, but I didn't leave the arena until almost 10 o'clock. And normally that's more like 930 for me. And I didn't like hang around or anything. We left pretty much right after the game ended. Um, but anyways, the game's progressing and it's the second intermission. And I'm sitting like up on the top of the chair, you know, because I'm just at that point, I'm just like, 
All right. Sit on the top of the chair. Just look around. A lot of I could, you know, there's no one around me. I'm not bothering anybody. There's nobody two rows behind me. I'm not blocking anybody's view of like the high school shootout that's happening on the ice. I'm just looking around and I'm looking at how empty it is and how quiet it is. And I'm just like thinking to myself, this is just so sad. It's just so this team was my lifeblood growing up. Like my greatest memories of my childhood are, you know, going through the 0506 season with my family and friends. That that's some of my best memories as a child is that season. And then even 0607 after, but 0506 especially. And I'm looking around just thinking like this is the saddest thing that's ever happened. Just this team arriving at this point 13 years in the longest playoff drought of all time. No other NHL team has ever asked fans to go through a stretch like this. And I'm just like, it, the, all the energy has been sucked out. The lifeblood of has been sucked out of you. And it's just sad looking around watching that. And I can't blame anybody. Now it's also a Tuesday night game. One thing that one listener pointed out to me on our text line I pointed out the Tuesday night thing, right? They've lost nine of their last 10 on Tuesday night. I didn't even want to read into that anymore other than just kind of it's a quirky stat. And one listener said, you think it has anything to do with Tuesday night games typically being the games that have less attendance, have less of an atmosphere? Because, I mean, that's that's normal for most teams, and especially for the Sabres, that they don't fill up the building as much on Tuesdays as they do on Saturday. That just makes sense. 13,200 uh, for this Dallas game. And I thought about that, and I didn't find it because it, it's been since last year that these stats have been tweeted out, but uh, they haven't been updated to my view this year. But last year, there were some numbers floating around that. The Sabres record when the building was either a sellout or above like 17,000, I think the benchmark was, they had a great record at home and a horrible one when they were below that amount of attendance. Do I want to correlate that? I guess you could. You could say, well, this team, it's a young team, right? They they live off that energy. They thrive off of it. And the energy that you get from the fans and from the crowd, I think, can go a long way for players. I mean, the record says it. I don't know if I want to make it all about that and not about a lot of randomness, too. But it would make sense. They don't play well on Tuesday nights because that's the worst atmosphere that you get. And by the way, I just need to point this out every time I say this. This is not on the fans. Not on the fans at all. That the atmosphere is that dead. It's not fun to go to games anymore. It's, again, I'm sitting there in the second period feeling sad about everything. Um, more so than than having fun. I had fun with my friends, you know, but not because of the game. Um, so, that could be something, right? Again, though, not the fans' fault. I'll point this out. Whenever anybody tries to even hint at, hey, man, Sabre fans, you know, not the best fans in the sport because look at this. Look at their building's empty and they hate the team. And ask any other fan base to go through this and ask and look, see what you're going to get. See what you're going to get. Ask the Predators fans to go through 13-year playoff drought where they're, they're in the race one time and see what it looks like in that arena. Go ask the Tampa Bay Lightning to go through a 13-year playoff drought, see see what the fan base is like, see what the atmosphere is like. Go ask the Sharks. Go ask the Oilers. Go ask the Flames. Go ask 
anybody in the National Hockey League. Maybe Toronto is a little different because of the size of the market. It might just be full no matter what. There's not many teams like that. There's I can count on one hand how many teams might be like that. Maybe the Rangers are another one because, again, size of market, massive square garden. Go ask almost any other team in the league to go through a stretch like this of 13 years, and I bet you the Sabres are going to be on the higher end of it. I, I bet you, you know, the Minnesota Wild aren't pulling 13,000 fans on a Tuesday night at 22, 24, and 4 against the Dallas Stars who have no tie to the team other than 99. Uh, yeah, do you think they're going to pull 13,000? All right, maybe. I, I kind of doubt that. But it's what has been – it's what's happened. It's just It's happened to the fans. Um, no fan base has been asked to go through this, and that is not lost on me. And I'm running this Sabres droughtology thing because I, I don't even mean to, for it to be critical. I know I get responses on Twitter like, go be a Leafs fan then. You know, like, why are we always hating on them? I get that it is real. It's technically probably hating on them. I'm legitimately amazed at how long it's been. That's where the Sabres droughtology idea comes from me. It's not even necessarily anger towards the team. There's a lot of that too. But it is it is straight amazement that a team can go through a stretch like this in the National Hockey League, which is known for its parity. Today's Sabres droughtology of the day is themed for their opponent that they just lost to, the Dallas Stars. This is my favorite one. I've mentioned this before. To me, it's not topped. You know, versus... And the whole NBCSN uh, network existing and not existing in the time of the drought. There are other good ones too. My favorite Sabre droughtology for all times is that Mike Madano has a more recent playoff victory than the Buffalo Sabres do. Mike Madano played for the Minnesota North Stars in the 1980s. And he has a more recent playoff victory than the Buffalo Sabres do. He was inducted. Mike Madano was inducted in... The Hockey Hall of Fame, what? How many years ago? Ten. Ten years ago, Mike Madano has won a playoff game, retired, been inducted into the National Hockey into the Hockey Hall of Fame, and then spent ten years on a beach somewhere in retirement, all in the time that the Sabres have not made the playoffs. Madano is the best one you're going to find, I think, for a guy that's won a playoff game more recently than the Buffalo Sabres have. All of this, by the way, led to and kind of contributed to my emotion in a back and forth on Twitter that I want to share on the show here if you didn't see it. The idea that Adams not making moves could in any way be a good thing and is not something that can be criticized. And the Red Wings, how they tie into that conversation as well, because they've done the opposite. Um, and they're currently in a playoff spot. We'll get to that when we come back. I got some numbers, stats for you on the, the Adams in action that we've talked about in the four years that he's been the general manager. That's coming up here on the Locked on Sabres podcast. We're brought to you by Sleeper, as we've kind of gone through here. It's not looking good. The standings aren't looking good um, at all. Uh, but if you check out the Sleeper app, current standings don't look good, but you can win big with Daily Fantasy Hockey. Our number one choice for Daily Fantasy Hockey, because with Sleeper, you can win 100 times your cash. If you win, and if you get eight player stats correct, eight player stats, check out Thompson, Skinner, Tuck, Darlene, 
who will record more or less than their sleeper projections for things like goals, assists, saves, shots on goal, plus, minus, or more in a given game. To win a 100 times bet on sleeper, just predict those eight player stats, win 100 times your money playing daily fantasy hockey with sleepers. So start paying attention, nail your picks so you can start winning big. Use the promo code locked on NHL. You'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's code locked on NHL. See sleepers' terms of use for details and locational availability. Sneaky Joe DiBiase back here on the Locked On Sabres podcast, and I've got a stat for you on today, uh, on really where we're at with the Sabres in general, and where we're at with Kevin Adams, because Granado is the one I think that's much more likely to be moved on from first, and um, I think Adams is pretty darn secure, but I found some numbers on Adams. I've been very critical of him and the management in general with the Sabres for letting all of this cook, letting all of this stay the same, not acquiring a legitimate top four defenseman in the last two years when it's been pretty clear for multiple years now that they need another guy in their top four. I could also be very critical over the times that they've needed a goaltender. They could have made the playoffs last year had they taken action on a goaltender earlier than just getting Devin Levi to come and show up. I also think that not doing anything about Jack Quinn's injury this offseason is worthy of criticism. Victor Olison being the plan for replacing Jack Quinn when Olison was not, it wasn't working and he wanted out. You, you just could not have thought that would have been a good idea. And by the way, it's not like Quinn got hurt the day before the season happened. Jack Quinn got hurt four months before the season started. They had months and months and months to figure out how to replace that. And then for, you know, a few weeks and months there, we heard about how important it was that they were missing, that they're getting Jack Quinn back and how much they've missed him. You didn't have to miss him as much as you did. They chose to do nothing at forward after Quinn got hurt. It's another area of criticism that you could point to. All three positions. Different times over the years, goalie, blue line, forward, and you've had so little action. During Adams's run as general manager over the last four years, he was hired in 2020, the Sabres have scored 803 goals. The players that have been brought in by Kevin Adams have scored 209 of them. Out of 803, 209 have been scored by guys Adams has brought in in a four-year period. And where I do think there's some places here that you can, that it's fair to criticize, there are other places where it's unfair to criticize. I think it's unfair to criticize Kevin Adams as a drafter. Because actually, if you look at Paterka, who has scored 30 goals under Adams, Quinn, who has scored 20, and Benson, who has scored four, the Sabres actually have gotten more production from those couple of drafts. Owen Power also with a couple more goal production from those drafts than almost any other team. Or actually, I think more than any other team. So drafting, unfair to criticize him for that. But the other area that is completely fair game is you don't have production on this team from any other avenue. Not the trade market and not free agency. Alex Tuck with 62 goals, is their biggest contributor that Adams has brought in. That was a seller's trade. 
with Jack Eichel leaving. Peyton Krebs, by the way, other than Paterka and Quinn, is next after that from the same deal with 19 goals. Fifth place among all the players that Adams has brought in in four years. The guy who has the fifth most goals is Vinny Hinostroza. Like, waiver guy, AHL guy, borderline NHLer, maybe. That's the guy. And then it's Anders Bjork after you get to Jordan Greenway. Greenway's another one. This is like the only real NHL trade they've made. You know? It's just, it's demoralizing because there, I don't, now, to be fair, and this is another place where context is needed, I don't know what the league average is for that. Four years as GM, how many, how much of your production is right to think are guys you've brought in, not, you know, carry over from the previous regime because Tage Thompson's a Bottrell guy, right? And Dylan Cousins, Bottrell guy. I mean, you go down the list, a lot of them are going to be Bottrell. You'll have a couple that are Tim Murray. Uh, Kyle Poso would be Tim Murray. Zemgus Jurgensen's would be Darcy Regeer. So you're going to get a couple of other guys mixed in, but most of them are Bottrell guys that you are seeing on this team right now. The guys that are asked to contribute. Casey Middlestat is another one. Uka Pekalukinen. Uh, Devin Levi's a goalie. I didn't do. I only did goals here. He obviously would be Adams too. But for the most part, Adams's guys are not here yet. They're draft picks. But that doesn't mean you have to wait as long and do nothing because Jordan Greenway is their biggest ad since he's been the GM. Ad move. I looked at one other team as an example because every other team was going to be too much. It would take me, you know, months to, to look all that up. Weeks at least. Um, Steve Eiserman in Detroit. Steve Eiserman, who I've been, even been critical of him too, in his tenure as Red Wings GM, 905 goals have been scored. 500 of them are from guys that he's brought in. More than half. 60%, give or take, versus the Sabres, who are about one-fourth, 25%, roughly, of our guys that Adams has brought in. Iserman, I don't need them to be just like Steve Iserman, exactly. Iserman has gone a little bit over the top. A lot of his additions are guys that they have brought in, that they have traded for, maybe a little bit too much, maybe paid a little bit too much. You know, they've made some investments because... They don't want to sit on their hands and just wait for all these guys to develop. They wanted to make some win-now moves, like trading for Alex Dabrinkit in uh, the offseason. That is one thing that they're going to pay for. They're not going to have about the 20th pick this year. They lost their first-round pick in that trade. Right now, that would be the 20th pick, which we're starting to learn more and more is not as valuable as you think in the first place. But either way, Robbie Fabry, they traded for a couple of years back from St. Louis, has been a guy that they've asked a lot of. Um, they signed Andrew Kopp and JT Comfer and David Perron in free agency. These these veteran guys that they've brought in uh, to do it. They traded for Billy Husso in goal. Uh, they signed Patrick Kane this offseason, of course. There are a lot of moves like that that this team has made. Not all my favorites, but I'm in no position to criticize now anymore. They've passed the Sabres. They're in a playoff spot. And 
it'd be one thing, one of the back and forths I got to with uh, Sabermetrics on Twitter. It was a really good Saber follow. Um, I follow them a lot. They have good podcasts as well. Um, this is just one area where I disagree with them. Otherwise, it's a very, you know, it's a thought-provoking conversation anyway. I think you could be on either side. And he made a point that, well, they went all in for this just to be the eight seed. And I, like most, believe Red Wings are getting very lucky. They're, they're, you know, the shooting percentage, the save percentage. This is not as this is not what this team is. They're not this good, even just playoff good. But I would give anything to see the Sabres have a season like that. It would get the fans back. And it would make you feel like you're in the NHL again. And I don't really think you're sacrificing the future all that much. The Sabres, looking around at some different sites and rankings of prospect pools in the NHL, very often you'll see the Sabres ranked number one. Best prospect pool in the league. Detroit, who's made all these moves, look at their roster. Uh, just th- the forward groups. Cap Friendly has this. You can break it down. Alex Dabrinkit, traded for. Cop, free agent. Comfer, free agent. Perron, free agent. Fabry, trade. Costin, free agent. Sprong, free agent. Fisher, free agent. Four draft picks that are currently in their forward ranks at this point in time. And then the blue line, one guy that they drafted in most cider and the rest, two trades, four signs that they, they, they signed goalies. One guy they signed two guys. They signed and one guy they traded for. They built their team with other moves, not just waiting for draft development. And they have almost everywhere. I looked, whether it's Scott Wheeler from the athletic, whether it's whoever, They have a top five prospect pool almost everywhere you look. They didn't sacrifice their future that much. Are they any less likely to win a Stanley Cup in the next five years than the Buffalo Sabres are because of the trades and the signings that they've made? I don't think so. It's at least even. And meanwhile, they also get to have this season. They get to be competitive. They get to go into the playoffs. They get to have a fun year with the full building, winning a bunch of games, scoring a bunch of goals, And they get to go to the playoffs and get to talk themselves into something that's probably fake. That is, hey, guys, Florida went to the cup last year as an eight seed. Hey, guys, the Kings 10 years ago won the Stanley Cup as an eight seed. They get to have those couple of months. They get to have that fun for a couple of months. And meanwhile, if you're I'm not necessarily one of these people, but if you're someone that believes that experience in those situations is good for your youth and good for your development, good for your team attitude, good for convincing players to come there. There you go. Detroit. That's a point that needs to not be lost on anybody. You might think squeaking into the playoffs as an eight seed is not valuable when you don't have a shot at the Stanley Cup. But what I would tell you is go ask every player in the league that has a no-trade list how many of them have Buffalo on their list and how many of them are starting to take Detroit off their list. Because I do think the Sabres have a job to do as a sales pitch to the league. If they want to add more talent in the future, they got to show the rest of the league that they're a real NHL team because they don't act like a real NHL team right now. They're not really a real NHL team. They hardly exist. They just finished super high in that players poll a couple of weeks ago for feeling one of the gloomiest atmospheres in the league. And now guys don't like coming to play here as a road team because it doesn't feel like you're in the NHL. Why would someone that doesn't have a connection to a player or to the area have any reason to want to come to Buffalo? Why would Jacob Chikrin last year want to come to Buffalo? Why? I don't know that maybe the Sabres outbid for Ottawa. 
why would he want to come here? Now, maybe last year you might have been getting close to that because you were on the track to be a playoff team. You had a good young core. It did start to look a little bit fun again. The building was a little bit full again. One year later, right back to gloomy, right back to bad team, right back to not in a playoff race. All these players in the league now don't remember the Sabres in 2006. They don't remember it. They don't remember what the atmosphere can be like. That is real. They don't know. They were 10 or younger, right? What year was Jacob Chikrin born in? What year was, I mean, Connor Bedard. I mean, I'm not expecting the Sabres to get those 18-year-olds like that on big trades. But when were these guys born? They don't remember Sabres atmospheres like that. So to me, I have no why. Why would they think this is good to come to? Why would they anybody think that has leverage in where they go think that this is a good idea? You know what can turn that around? Having a year like Detroit's having, where you're not actually that good. You're getting very lucky, but you got just enough to get lucky, and that gets you into the playoffs. I don't know. I would kill to be Detroit right now. And I told you before the year, the Sabres were far above them. But they made these moves. And I do believe they didn't sacrifice their future while doing it. It's hard to think they don't have a future when they're only missing one first-round pick, which is going to be in the bottom 10, probably, because they're going to make the playoffs. And they have a top-five prospect pool in the league. And if the Sabres traded a bunch of stuff and did a quarter, a half the moves that Detroit's made to get better, they'd still have one of the best prospect pools in the league. Guarantee it. So go make a trade like that. Go make a signing like that. But it's tough for me to believe that they will. And that is where the depression about the team kind of sets in. For me, is I don't know how confident I am that they're going to actually make these changes. That's my thought on Detroit as the comparison. All right. More on that, I'm sure, uh, in the coming months because this is the the state of the team at this point in time. Thanks for listening here on Locked on Sabres. Next up is Saturday against the St. Louis Blues. See if that goes any better. One o'clock game, Saturday game. At least you get the night nap. You know, win that game. You know, like, have a night nap. Thanks for listening. Check out our group chat. Go to joinsubtext.com slash Lockdown Sabres. And check out Lockdown Sports today. Big game coming on Sunday. Chiefs, 49ers. If you want to get your football fix, go to YouTube. Or, of course, you can also now go to Amazon Fire TV. Look for Lockdown Sports today. It is now available on Amazon Fire TV as well as on YouTube. The first ever 24-7 streaming channel for sports. Thanks for listening to your Lockdown Sabres. We'll talk to you tomorrow. I've got a fun trade idea that you are not expecting. Actually, might not be that fun. You might hate it, but I got a trade idea that I'm betting you have not heard yet on our next show. Stay tuned for that here on the Lockdown Sabres Podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.